Hey, it's Brian. Welcome back to Heart to Heart. On today's episode, we speak with New Mexico-based casting director, Joedna Bolden. She has been called the matriarch of the New Mexico TV and film industry, and for good reason. Joedna has helped turn New Mexico into another major industry hub, from casting Matthew McConaughey in his breakout role to being a part of the Governor's Council for Film and Media, She has been a staple of this market and was happy to share with us what makes New Mexico so special. Before you listen, you've got to grab our backstage pass. It's packed with Joe Edna's top tips, insider advice, and additional resources that will give you a competitive edge. You can grab the backstage pass by going to podcastbackstagepass.com. There's such an excitement about the Southwest because as well as it's doing now, I have gotten a little more confidence as I've gotten older with seeing something before it happens. And I'm telling you, as great as the Southwest is doing now, it's only going to blow up. I think you're right. I want to hear your thoughts because you're the expert. Well, I don't know that I'm an expert on anything, but I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I was uh, appointed for my second term on the Governor's Council for Film and Media here. And part of our job, the different committees, is to advise our governor on how to keep this going and what to do with incentives what to do with, you know, we just got $40 million for a training institute because we we need more crew here. You know, we need to import more people or train our young people or something like that. I think it's going to go on for quite a while. Yes, it is. Because we've had so much success in the infrastructure and now we've got studios and, you know, with Netflix here buying that huge, huge studio with many sound stages. And the rumor is they're going to double it. (laughs) <laughs> people are going to come. And, uh, you know, we've got such a good base here, too, you know, with all the success. We don't do just Westerns. You know, they say in a neighborhood, right, once a Starbucks comes to a neighborhood, everything else follows. So, for instance, now that Netflix has planted their flag and you're telling me they're, what, what do you think is the reason why, why Netflix all of a sudden says, we're here? Well, our um, secretary of I forget what her, what her exact title is, but she's right under the governor and it has to do with bringing new businesses. And she's actually a producer that I cast a movie for once. And now she's this big wig secretary of state kind of person. Wow. <laughs> um, she just called up Netflix and said, I think there's a studio for sale. Are you interested? And they go, hmm, yeah, I think we are. <laughs> that's, that's her story. Wow. Alicia Keys. You know, that's amazing. She, she offered it and... Yeah, and that's that's part of my story, too, is that you have to ask. You have to see what you want, and then you have to ask. Why not? Why not be positive and, and think it's going to happen? Well, this is what I love about your story. So what I love, at least what I've learned, as you know, we, we, we're in a business where there's, let's just say there's a lot of pretentiousness going, that, that goes on. Okay? Yes. Simultaneously, there's some of the most amazing individuals I've ever met. Okay. So you were born, please interrupt if I'm saying this wrong, but you were born a cowgirl. You're absolutely right. I was going to be a barrel racer. That's what I was going to be when I grew up. I love it because you can't help by being raised a cowgirl, by being down to earth and conveying that message to anybody who comes in your path. Yeah. Yes. When, When actors come into audition and they take their shoes off, yay, 
great. We've won. <laughs> That's right. Because to me, you, you know, you always hear these speeches about how like these uh, button ups are saying, you know, the actor needs to feel comfortable, but yet they don't realize they're making the actor feel uncomfortable. But your stories are all about how guys like Matthew McConaughey come, came in nervous, but you, you did whatever you did to make people feel comfortable, which you're doing now. And, you know, I was an actor, too. I, I did grow up a cowgirl. I hung out with my dad. We did cattle stuff. We swam horses across to bring the cattle up from the bottom pasture land when it flooded and whatever. But my mother never wanted to live in the country. So we always had to live in the city, little tiny city that it was. And she sent me to tap dancing, ballet, piano, art lessons, and stuff like that. So I actually, when I was a little bitty kid, performing on stage as well as being a cowgirl. So, you know, I, I grew up with that kind of balance as well. And uh, my first job right out of high school was as an actor, touring with National Children's Theater. We toured, I think it was 17 states and did these little kitty shows that were, you know, we played these little bitty towns where it was either, it was the circus and National Children's Theater. Those were the big events, you know, and fundraisers for PTA and stuff, you know, during the year. So. I kind of had that balance, but I got to tell you, Mark, I do miss having a horse and riding. And, and now, <laughs> now I live out in the country and since the pandemic, which let's face it, changed everything, everything changed and all our world became virtual. Uh, I'm sitting in my, my, my town home right now, literally in Albuquerque, but where I really live is in way out in the country, north of Taos, and we could build a Zoom room. We built a separate Zoom room, uh, and I would be there, except it's too cold <laughs> up in Taos today. So I came where I can just turn on the uh, the heater here rather than uh, have to deal with fires and probe. Anyway, and I look out to the pastures, you know, and there there's a cattle ranch right next door. So I still it's still important to me to have the that real organic roots, you know, to, to the land and, and to animals and to the country too. So. So what made you, what made you say, you know what, cause you know, you know, born a cowgirl and being around animals and, and then going from that to saying, you know, and I understand you got the taste of showbiz with the children's theater, but what made you say, Hey, you know what, I'm going to stick this out. And like, then you went to the office uh, in LA, right? You, you, you moved to LA. I did. Uh, I moved to San Francisco first. Okay. And I decided to pursue acting, and I thought, oh, it would be interesting to do film and television. I got an agent, and I ended up doing mostly extra work, you know, there in, in movies and TV, and I really liked it. I decided, well, okay, what's the next step up from doing extra work? What's, what's the next thing I can do to progress this? And I thought, I could be a stand-in. That's kind of the next step. So I went to my agent and I said, I want to be Lily Tomlin's stand-in because I look like her. I want to be Lily. T and she says, uh -huh. what makes you think you can? <laughs> I said, well, I, that's what I'm going to do. And I was in a theater group in San Francisco. And that evening I went and I told one of my fellow uh, actors, that's what I wanted to do. And he said, you know, my production company does all the stage work for her. You want to come to work with us and meet her tomorrow? I said, yes. <laughs> so that, I mean, that very next evening or that day, I don't remember what time it is, I was um, 
sitting in a chair on stage while they were focusing the cameras. It was way back in the days when when little bitty VHS cameras became the rage. And Lily was one of the first people to do multimedia stuff with her stage show. So I was there and they were focusing this little camera on me. And then she came out from backstage and says, oh, my God, I thought I was watching myself. <laughs> I said, great, because I want to be your stand in. And she said, I don't think I have one. We'll have to find something else for you to do. Because she really hadn't done, you know, much movie work. She was, she was touring the company with her live stage show with this little VHS camera <laughs> doing, you know, shooting the audience and big screen and, and doing very innovative stuff like that. So whenever she would come to the San Francisco area, I would come and be part of, you know, her crew for the day or drive her around or find her local news or whatever. And I ended up moving to Los Angeles from San Francisco and got a call saying, we'd like for you to be Lily Tomlin's stand-in on The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, oh, so I did that. You know, I got to have breakfast every morning with Lily and drive onto the lot and have a pass because they had to make me look exactly like her because I ended up being her photo double, her acting double. So did you meet a woman along the way uh, named Peggy Fury by any chance? Not that I can remember, Mark. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. She she at one time was her acting coach. Oh. And she'd come. But anyways, so you were, you were acting double, and then, and then ha things progressed with Lily? Uh, no, not really, because I, I did this really long run, and when I became her acting double, that meant all of a sudden I was boosted up to SAG, right? And in fact, I bought a little used sports car with my residuals. From <laughs> but um, Lily went on to do a next show and the cinematographer chose somebody else to be her stand in. It's like, OK, I'll be your stand in forever. She said, Joanna, you don't want to be a stand in forever. You have things to do in your life. You have more. You have things to do. So this is really, really a good thing. So I still I still go and see her. I still get free tickets. Whoa. To her shows. Wow. Anything wow. like that. But uh, yeah, she said, no, you have things to do. You don't want to just be a stand in for the rest of your life. So I didn't. <laughs> when I was in LA, Mark and Brian, I, you know, you have to have a straight job, right? While you're pursuing acting. I decided to work in a casting office. Uh -huh. well, first off, I decided okay, I'm going to take these classes from these casting directors. And I know people do that to me too. You know? And they were commercial casting directors. And I thought, oh man, if I could land a big commercial, that would pay a lot of money. So anyway, I ended up taking classes. And one evening at class, I said, do you guys ever need anybody to help you? Because I've done, you know, I studied video in college. And, they, and the woman said, can you come in tomorrow? <laughs> and that very next day, I was working at a casting office. Was that the and Bobby Morris one, or Bobby Morris and Beverly yeah. Long? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was that casting office, and that was back in the day where everybody to record things used these huge old three-quarter inch video yeah. machines. Oh yeah, tape yeah. like this. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh <laughs> shit! I'm in I've never operated this camera. And oh my gosh. Like, no, I'm not familiar with this particular machine. Will you show me how to use it? And they did. And then, you know, I went on from there and uh yeah. And when I got disillusioned with LA and didn't want to live there anymore, 
Hey, it's Brian. I'm dropping in on an important announcement. What you need to know is you have more control over your career than you think. The thing standing between you and the career you want is your connections. And that's where one-on-one -on -one next level comes in. If you are not a member yet, you can apply to join at oneononenextlevel.com. Press pause and do that now. If you are already a member and you are ready to get back on track, we want to invite you to book a strategy session with us led by myself personally. We will help you prioritize which classes make the most sense given your career goals. You can find these under the resource hub in your account portal. We can't wait to hear your success story. What made you say to yourself, I don't want to live here anymore? Was it the people? Was it the apartments? What? Uh, part of that was the people. And you okay. know, part of it was when I did that, The Incredible Shrieking Woman with Lily, I didn't feel like she was treated with the respect that she really deserved to do that. So, so you didn't think she was treated very well? Yeah, I don't know. And then it just, I, I just kind of got disillusioned with the whole Hollywood, LA kind of thing. And I, I, I moved to Texas. I thought, okay, I'm working at this commercial casting company. And and we have a client that's a big ad agency, and I'll just move back to Texas and 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 work for a big ad agency as the casting didn't exist. There wasn't such a thing. None of the ad agencies they were like, "What's a casting director?" And <laughs> can you just find people for us or whatever. So so I uh, I, I ended up starting my own casting company there and starting a an actors network and stayed very involved with kind of helping develop the acting pool there. And oh, no, hold on for a second here. This is too good. So, cause Joanna, you know, it's, it's, you're like, yeah. So, you know, I went there and then I started my own, but as you know, Joanna, you go back there with your tail between your legs. Cause you're like starting all over. You, you know, as well as I do, it's not just like, well, I started my own, you know, you probably were a little afraid, you know, fearful. And number two, uh, what made you persevere? Because I can only imagine you know, if there wasn't any company started, like how did you even get started? What what was the voice in your head that said, go girl? Well, I, I, it wasn't really tail between my legs because I'd never done it before. Okay, but still, part of it you could easily. The cowgirl, you know, mm. let's run oh, Okay, <laughs> yes. You know, and uh, there was a need, you know, there was a need. And so there was a need. Was, uh, not only did I need to educate myself, but I felt like I needed to educate the community too. It's like you need a casting director. You really do need a casting director. And just putting one step in front of the other, you know, one foot in front of the other and taking the next right step and just going for it and trying to figure it out. But when now, I was this in Houston or is Houston, Houston to begin with? Yes. This okay. Before Houston. you went to Austin. Okay. Yeah, Afterwards, you I went didn't to Austin. I like Houston as much as I like Austin. So everybody says that. Yeah. Yeah. Austin's just an incredible place. So I it ended is. up. Moving to Austin. After how long in Houston, would you say? I think it was there only maybe a year and a half. Okay. And okay. I created a big actors network with, and a newsletter, and we met at the comedy workshop once a month. And I think that went on for a little while after I left. But yeah, Austin just seemed, it seemed more my style. Yes. Mm -hmm. But again, I got disillusioned by the whole show business thing. Oh, in and Austin? I'm going to get a real job for a minute. I'm going to get a real job. <laughs> I forgot about this part of my story. And I went and I worked as a parts runner for a British motor car garage. 
Wow, that, that's eclectic. Well, I'm sure you know, it was good for you because you realized, you know what, I'm going to go back to what I did. <laughs> well, I, and I just thought, okay, whatever is in the newspaper today, I'm going to take that job. And I went and did that for a while. But for some reason, people kept calling me and saying, would you come and work on this? And what would you do? And, and you know, eventually I thought, okay, <laughs> I'm going to have to start my own company again. And Just like Al Pacino said in The Godfather 3, just when I thought I was out these. Call, they sucked me back in. <laughs> well, you got the calls and you came back. I came back. I started my own my own company. Um, one of the one of the things about just being positive and just going for it is I would and I didn't have a lot of experience. I really didn't. Uh, the, the The first job that I got was for PBS, which I call the poor broadcasting system. That's what PBS stands for, right? But I, <laughs> yes, it does. I just thought, okay, and I ended up getting to cast um, an entire series, everything, all the actors, all the extras. It was something called newscast from the past, and they used it in schools, and actors would reenact news from the 1800s or whatever, and it was really, really great. But that was unusual that I got to cast the entire series, really unusual. And then I kind of got stuck a little bit doing extra casting again, which I loved for a while. You know, I had been an extra. I knew I knew what it was about. And I loved it until I didn't. I mean, if, to me, it was like painting pictures with people. And it was really, really great. And I ended up selling that company, signing a non-compete. So I selling that company. Oh my. Now, were you in your when your 20s, your 30s when you did this? Uh, probably late twenties. Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah. So you sold the company. Was that a great feeling? It was. And I got to train the person that worked alongside me doing extras casting. And she's a dear friend to this very, very day. And what it did was it, it made me stop doing extras casting and only doing principal casting. So did you say to yourself, I'm, I'm getting out, I'm going to sell my company so I can get into the next step. What happened? Well, there was a big Disney movie that came into town. Uh, Cindy Williams. I can't remember. Penny Marshall was in it. Uh, I can't remember all the people that were in it. And I thought, oh, man, I'd really love to do that. But my resume doesn't have very much on it. I know I'm competing against these big casting directors that have all this experience and everything. And the director's name was Paul Aaron. And I thought, okay, we had an early morning breakfast meeting. I thought, okay. There's no way I'm going to brag about myself to get this job. So what I did was I made it all about him. And I, I, I got very interested in him. And I wanted to know his story and what he was about and what he was looking for. You know, it wasn't, I didn't make it about me at all. I got- How to win friends and influence people. That's what the book's written about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he went to Disney and said, I don't care. I want Joe I want Joe to do this. Wow. You know, wow. so- <laughs> Yeah. So is that what you said? I need to sell my company then, the the extras company. No, it was after that. After I had, uh -huh. after I had already sold. Because you it. loved it. You you did so. So what happened with that experience in working for him? It was great, and it kind of it it started helping me build my resume. So the bug you just like that you got a new taste and you loved it. I loved it, and I loved him. He was just so much fun to work with. You know, in fact. I used to be on panels at South by Southwest for many, many years. And he, he came and saw me on a panel years later and says, I really liked you. <laughs> <laughs> after that, after that gig, what was your next one? Do you remember? Oh gosh, I really don't. 
Okay. They started rolling in. Independent films and TV films and Austin was It was the happening place. Happening, you know, it kind of Yeah. It kind of Richard was Richard Linklater then or no? Even before him. Even before Wow. It contributed to him and Terrence Malick and Oh my gosh, yes. And you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I didn't get to work for Rick, but I did get to work for Terrence Malick and Mike Judge. And uh, yeah, it really, really built built up, and it was the hap- It was like New Mexico is now, and it was just in you know, a fun place to be too. And Austin still is, even though it's changed a lot. It still is, but it's the incentives. The, mm, you know, the then people started doing incentives, and Texas is not up to speed on all that, and and the work kind of left. But I worked a lot. I, I, you know, enough enough for me, you know, to make a living at it and to survive and, and to be successful. And then uh, I was set up on a blind date <laughs> and I fell in love with a New Mexico artist. <laughs> and I ended up, it was back and forth and back and forth for a while. We've been together over 30 years now, but- Whoa! Congratulations. That's incredible. Uh, I just decided I'm gonna move to New Mexico, at least for part-time. I'm driving to New Mexico. Before I get to Taos, I stop in Santa Fe for an interview and get a TV series. It's like- Oh my God. So you moved to New Mexico for him, not because of the work. For him, exactly. But what's amazing is just like when before you were like, uh, and then I started getting calls. And so I quit my, that real job, you know, and then came back. It like, isn't that amazing? And the same thing happens. It is you moved there for her, and then boom, you 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 stopped in Santa Fe. Okay, so the interview was really good. Yeah, and it was just a leap of faith too. And and again, you know, they didn't have any casting directors here. I think they had one that got all the work, and they weren't impressed with her. And so they thought, "Well, I'm going to take a chance with Joanna." <laughs> <laughs> and it went oh for a good while. It was something called The Lazarus Man with Robert Urich. Oh my gosh. But the thing is, there was just not that much work going on in New Mexico. I still kept my home in in Austin and had to go back and forth. And it was really different than it is now in New Mexico, where we have all these wonderful actors. And back then, everybody was so rusty and green that when you did auditions, it's almost like you had to do a class. Hey folks, Brian here. Mark and I often cringe when people call one-on-one next level a workshop studio because we are so much more than that. You and I both know that not all workshop studios are the same. And I can tell you with complete confidence that no other studio offers the same level of care or programming that we do, and we do so with pride. Here's just a few examples. I'm Emily, and before one-on-one next level, I was in a super dark place in my career. I tried a lot of things to find representation, but nothing seemed to work and I felt invisible. Then almost as a Hail Mary, I signed up for a manager session. It was incredible, but it was also the thing to land me a manager. Since then, I booked a national commercial, I've gone on to create a thriving voiceover career and signed with an agent all through these classes and programs. One-on-one next level has been the single most important thing that's influenced my acting career and life in so many ways. I'm Neil. In the last year, I booked two co-stars and one top-of-show guest star on major TV series. I also shot my first lead in a feature film. In fact, I've hit 20 big milestones thanks to the connections that I've made in classes at one-on-one next level. The key has been getting in front of casting directors. And that's why I love one-on-one next level. If you're not a member yet, 
what are you waiting for? Every actor deserves face time with the people in the business who can move your career forward. And one-on-one -on -one Next Level can help you do that. Did you know one-on-one -on -one Next Level produces over 335 events and classes each month? Whether you join us in person or attend on Zoom, you could meet with A-list casting directors, filmmakers, TV showrunners, and executive producers, as well as agents and managers when you become a member. These days, it's harder and harder to get real face time with industry pros, but one-on-one -on -one Next Level makes it possible. To become a member, visit www.1on1nextlevel.com and click join. We can't wait to hear your success story. Joanna, I wanted to ask you, do you think after working in places like uh, Austin and also New Mexico and being in LA, I've always thought when the energy is relaxed like it is in New Mexico versus like someplace like Los Angeles, the actor has to feel a lot different coming into the audition room. I don't know. They still get nervous here. Just okay. <laughs> like they do. Yeah, but it would be, it would just feel, I would feel it'd be a little more relaxed. You can find different kinds of, of uh, characters here too. I mean, yeah. you know, we do have more of the cowboys. There's some looks that you just find in New Mexico, you know, with the weather, because it's dry and windy here that it's hard to find in Los Angeles. And, and by the same token, it would be re really hard for us to do a Baywatch series here. You yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that you know, in LA or, or, or something like that. So the Lazarus Man was great. And then there was hardly anything after that. So I ended up, I, for a long time, went back and forth and back and forth. They were still working in Austin. Like I said earlier, I was on panels at South by Southwest often. There was a gentleman there who I think was the head of the Teamsters Union or something like that. And he, he approached me in Austin and said, what would we have to do to get you to move to New Mexico? <laughs> wow. I said, give me an office. He says, done. But <laughs> little did I know the office was one of the old abandoned prisons that <laughs> we shot a series in. <laughs> but anyway. Um, did it feel like a prison when you were there or did, was it a really cool feeling? It was like a prison. <laughs> it was dirty in it, but it was a free office. You know, uh, we actually got to go to the Emmys for that show too, something called Into the West. And I thought, oh, man, if I move here, I have to start all over. And it wasn't that way at all. It really was not that way at all. I, I kind of started at the level that I was at and just kept kept growing with it. So with, you know, as you know, it's it's been happening for a while here. So in uh, 2007, I sold my home in Austin and moved to New Mexico full time. Whoa. And it's wow. been pretty much busy, busy, busy ever since. And you are considered to be the matriarch of the New Mexico TV film industry. Like people credit you for like, like the current industry would not exist had it not oh, been for the work you've done. You're full of it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are an article. No, but it's, it's, fa it's fascinating, Joanne, that, you know, first of all, you go from Austin, well, first from California, Los Angeles, then to Houston, Austin. So New Mexico, what's it like to live there day to day? Do you, do you like the lifestyle? I do. I like it a lot, especially when I get to be out at my country home. Oh, yeah. That's Taos. That's Taos. Well, it's a little bit north of Taos in a little bitty town called Arroyo Hondo. We live way out in the country, right on the river. There may be an elk off in the pasture. There, there may be raccoons and coyotes. And I, yeah, I really, really like that. And I like that I can do my work through Zoom or at, well, not exactly Zoom. We use uh, the program through Actors Access. I can't think of the name, name of it right now, but uh, where we can talk to the actors and go back and forth and my associate can be in 
Albuquerque and I really like it. I like the pace. It is the land of manana, you know, plus in the summer, I get to go kayaking in the Rio Grande. How cool is that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and people don't realize like, uh, you know, Taos, I mean, that's one of the largest mountains in the country. Is it? Oh, I didn't know. Well, you skiers, if, if, like, you know, skiers come from all over to ski oh, yeah. Taos, New Mexico. Wow. Yeah, I'm not a skier, but I hear it's really dangerous and, and advanced skiing. I, I don't yeah. like fall, so I don't ski. Oh, anymore. yeah. People talk about it. So uh, it must be beautiful, in the, especially in the spring and summer. Oh, it's just gorgeous. And this year we had a really huge yellow bloom all over New Mexico. So you would look out and you would just see acres and acres and acres and acres of yellow yellow flowers. It was just incredible and awesome. So, and the snow is kind of pretty too. Like I said, I'm in Albuquerque right now because it's warmer, but up in, up in Taos, it's just snow everywhere. So for the people who work in the Netflix studio, is it like a, is there like a little town near there? Well, it's in Albuquerque. It's just, okay. it's just a little bit past the airport. So, and they okay. are, they are building a town there. I mean, that's where I was going to say. Town. Uh, it was Mesa del Sol, I think is the name of it. It's, there's a whole development with really great homes out there. But I mean, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you're in Old Town or Uptown or, you know, it's, it's in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but I tell actors, I say, listen, if you want to be a pioneer and you want to be a big fish in a small pond, or at least for now, you know, you really should consider Albuquerque or New Mexico, would you say that's fair to say? Yes, keep sending them, please. We need them. <laughs> we need more actors. And uh, yeah, I had the privilege. Um, I did uh, four seasons of Roswell, New Mexico for the CW, which is one of my favorite jobs too. Just great people, great actors and whatever. And I actually was able to cast one of the series regulars, which does not happen regionally. It really right. like, there's a young actress, and in fact, her mother's a casting director who used to work for me, and now she's she's out or she's doing really well. And I'm sure you've heard of Angelique Mid Thunder. You've heard of her? Yeah, she teaches for us too. Yes, she's incredible. But her daughter, I cast her in her first thing when she was nine years old, and then I had the privilege of casting her as a series regular in wow. Roswell, New Mexico, and now she's huge. She's big. She was the lead in a big film just recently called Prey and just oh doing God. really, really well. well. And what do you think has made the, besides the tax incentives and obviously kind of like a different landscape of, you know, actors, what do you think has uh, made the New Mexico market so hot the last few years? Well, uh, a proven track record. We're always having to struggle to keep there because the idea caught on <laughs> with the incentives and, and, you know, almost right. everybody's doing it now too. So it always takes work to keep you know, to keep the work coming in. And, but I think the crew base, the actor base is the locations. You know, like I said, we can't do Baywatch. We don't have an ocean. We don't have that kind of look, <laughs> you know, but we do have some unusual locations here, you know, and it's cheaper, you know, it's much cheaper to, to live here. You know, like I was looking just the median price for a home in Albuquerque is 300,000. What could get, you couldn't buy anything in Los Angeles for 300,000. There's just no right, right. way. And, you know, the people are friendly. Thank goodness our governor got reelected. You know, the, the, the politicians are very, very, very supportive. I mean, just like getting $40 million to start a, a media institute. That's huge. That's yes, huge it is. to keep it going and to keep training people. And, yeah, those are, those are a lot of things that make people keep coming here. And do you think the New Mexico market will kind of become like the next Atlanta, how Atlanta has 
you know, really exploded or how do you see that? I wish it would, but I don't think it can, Brian, because we're too small. For now. You know, people forget, you know, that the entire state of New Mexico population is about like Dallas <laughs> or Houston, oh. you know, I mean, it's, it's like, it, it's small. And the other thing where, where I would, honestly, if someone asked me, I, I would say go to Atlanta for a project if it has a lot of African-American actors. But yet, here I am up for an Ardios Award for The Harder They Fall, an all-black Western, but it was wow. really hard to find enough African-American actors for the supporting roles, you know, mm. for that film. So there are, yeah, I think just being smaller and uh, we, we just don't have as many looks. Now, I don't know how many Native Americans you could cast in Atlanta. Right, you know, right, that's right. That's why I say you better come to New Mexico, you know, yeah. for that. So, but for the size, I think we already are doing what Atlanta is doing, just on a smaller scale, because we're a much smaller state. But I think we, we have as much success as Atlanta. Don't you? Yeah, yeah, Atlanta? for sure. I, because I, I feel like, especially with the Netflix, like, thing, I mean, that's huge. That's kind of like, and NBC, NBC has a studio here now too. So I was going to ask you. You know, you um, it said in your bio, you know, you 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 uh, you auditioned Matthew McConaughey very early. Do you remember what he auditioned for? Well, I can tell you one thing. I cast him in was an yeah. unsolved mysteries. Okay, <laughs> because he's that? got to me. He's got such a a, a presence and a dynamic that you, you know you just remember the guy. So I'm just curious that when when he came in the room, what was it? Was he nervous? No, was it? I, it was the director just didn't see it. And it was so frustrating because I kept saying, he's got to see this. He's got to see this. He's got to see how great this actor is. And How old at the time was Matthew McConaughey? He's probably was 26 or so. Okay, so he was young, yeah. He was, he was very young. He had done maybe Chainsaw Massacre, and that's about it. And right. Soft Mysteries that I cast him in. <laughs> and this and is in Austin. Well, no, he was living in Austin, as I was, but the, the film was shooting in San Antonio. So right. we all had to drive to San Antonio to do the auditions. Nothing was virtual back then. And I think I brought him in eight times to see the director. And it just, you know, it's like, he's got to see this. And the last time was a final callback, and there was a role for each actor that I brought in, and they cut one of the roles, and Matthew didn't get it. And this is before Dazed and Confused. Uh, I think it was, I, I can't remember if it was yeah. okay. before or after. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe that was what he was in, Dazed and Confused, not Texas Chainsaw. I'm thinking, gotcha. I'm thinking Renee Zellwager, who I did cast yeah, yeah. last week, was in, you know, Texas Chainsaw. And this was right yes. before she moved to LA, you know. So, and we had to talk her into getting a new headshot because her headshot sucked. <laughs> Well, it got me dazed and it got me Chainsaw Massacre. It's like, uh-huh, yeah, but you're moving to L.A. <laughs> right. I'd love to, because most of our listeners are, you know, our members are our actors. I, and you have such a, you know, wealth of insight just from, you know, your experience, but also being in a kind of a different market. Because so, you know, even though we do have some New Mexico and Atlanta, Atlanta actors now, the vast majority is still New York and L.A. Right. I'd love to, you know, see if you could share some, you know, s some words of wisdom uh, to, you know, any actor listening on, you know, on, on uh, if they wanted to break into the New Mexico market? Well, you have to get a talent agent here. How That's, many are there? Uh, there's about six, I think. Okay. Now. We, we have a couple of new ones. There were only three okay. for a while, but I think there are about six. Because SAG will let us hire you as 
a New Mexico actor, if you have a New Mexico, if you present yourself as a New Mexico actor and have, you know, a New Mexico talent agent. Yeah, I would say just move here. Move here for a year. Give yourself a year and come here and really soak in what it's like because it is it's starting to be pretty competitive. Mm -hmm. You know, but we're getting larger roles to cast. Right. You know, than than we used to, for sure. Yeah. Uh otherwise you might spend more money than you earn, you know, if, if you stay in Los Angeles or especially New York, because that's really expensive to fly far. From yeah. New York. It's a little cheaper from LA or a lot of the LA actors who have a local agent and work local here just get in their car and drive, but then exhausted, you know. Right. Uh, I always try to get an actor uh, at least a courtesy hotel room. Mm, wow, that's that's a nice move. You know, uh, I want you to be rested. I don't want you just to be sleeping on some somebody's couch and stuff like that. So usually we can swing that. Yeah, move here. Give it a year. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done it yet, grab the backstage pass. You've got to get the backstage pass. There's behind the scenes footage. We've taken the biggest takeaways from the episode and written them down for you. There's also tools and resources to help move your career forward. It's the easiest way to turn this podcast into a tool for your career, as opposed to something you just listen to as you're doing the dishes.